1: Well, it's so good to be with everybody here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, I will need to, someone indicate me if my mic's not on. Is there a button I need to hit? Oh, there we are. The voice of God is with us. How's everyone doing today? Oh, come on, you got masks on. I'm going to need a little more than that. How are you doing today? You might not know it. You got to push a little harder to get your volume through that mask. It's a hard thing standing up here looking back at faces. And you might think that your eyebrows are more expressive than they are, but unless you're blessed with eyebrows like this, I'm going to need to hear your voice today, okay? Going to need to hear your voice knowing that you're with me. What an honor to be here. Before even diving into the word, I want to take a moment and honor your pastors, incredible friends. Pastor Lorenzo, who honestly probably went for a coffee right now, but we'll gossip about him in a good way while he's gone. Pastor Lorenzo, is one of the most resilient, buoyant, joyful people who just continues to say, I'm gonna lay down my life for the cause of God. And uh, anytime I get to be around him, I find myself inspired. And then to know that he is the worst half because Michelle is where all the magic is. That's just amazing. My goodness, what a family. Unbelievable. And uh, I just want you to know, you might not know this because it's easy to take take home for granted. This is a special church, a special church with a special call, and that doesn't just happen by accident. That doesn't just happen because, uh, because uh, of random happenstance. It happens when, when God speaks to someone, and they say yes, and yes is said over and over and over and over and over again, and that's really what's happened here at River's Edge, and uh, we get to be a part of that blessing. And so if you would, can, can you take a moment and just thank the Lord for the call that you put on Lorenzo and Michelle's life and for their willingness to say yes? Can we do that? Come on, can we make some noise for your pastor today? You guys are incredible. Incredible. Well, I'm, I, I, as Zoe said, I, I pastor in Vancouver and now in Toronto. During the pandemic, uh, I had a friend who, he and his wife had planted a church in Toronto some years ago and uh, had had a hard time really getting momentum. And so in the middle of the pandemic, uh, he said, hey, can we talk more about how we could work together in a closer way? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? You You want to hang out more? Like I'm always down to hang out. And he said, well, I'd love to become part of your church. So we went through a process for a season, and, and last uh, year in January, earlier this year, I should say, we announced that they'd become part of our church, and we've been in the process of replanting. So we are planting in two cities at the same time. I, I think I just love a challenge. So I was like, replanting one church, that just sounds too easy. Uh, but here we are, we're back and forth and just loving our time in both. If you know friends in Vancouver or Toronto, could you just hook them up with us? We'd love to get to know them. and uh, and serve them. So as he said, I will be leaving from here and making my way to uh, Toronto. We have a 4 p.m. service downtown Toronto, and uh, we're excited about that. I also want to bring some greetings from my family. My wife and I have been married just over 20 years. We have eight kids. Eight. It's true. And uh, our oldest is 17. Our youngest is four months. And, uh, and so we've got a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a 4-month-old. It's great. It's awesome. Yep. Yeah. I think the funny thing is when you have a big family, people feel really confident uh, to ask you anything they want to ask you. And you'd be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't, because it might be the same questions that you're wondering right now. I, I have people that'll come up to us, we're, we're together, and they'll say, oh, so you're Catholic. <laughs> Honestly, an opening question that I get often. And, uh, and then I will have, have this question. People will look and like, wow, so all the same mom? <laughs> and you just think, like, if the answer was no, how awkward would that get? Or this one is even worse. People say this, wow, you got, wow. you... Uh, were they all planned? Imagine if I said, well, let me see. Yes, yes, kind of. Uh, yeah, oops, 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 oops. You know, what do they think the answer is going to be to that? Probably my favorite question is when people think they can make me awkward and put me on my heels. And so they'll say something like this, you know how that happens, right? (laughs) And thinking that they're going to make me awkward, I've learned to just flip the script. I look right back at them deeply in the eye and say, oh, I know. (laughs) It's funny the questions that, that people feel the freedom to ask. As a dad of eight, you can imagine that I get asked a lot of questions all the time. Uh, Constantly. Why? When? What are we doing? When's dinner? What are we having? When are we doing this? How is that going to work? Dad, how does this work? What's this? Constant questions. And I love it because I love to see my kids grow in wisdom. Questions all the time. You know, I I was doing a little study the other day of what are the most common questions that people are asking today? The most common questions, and I think probably the best way to know that would be what are people typing into Google, because that's where we find questions. Isn't it crazy that there used to be a time where conversations could end with I don't know? <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. You're in a conversation and someone said, you're like, well, let me just, check. Uh, actually, it's this. Like, conversations don't end in I don't know anymore. What was the score last night? I don't know. Let me find out for you, right? We have an immediacy with information now. We want to know things. So I was looking, what have been the most common questions asked in 2021 to Google? You might be surprised at some of the answers. So some of the most common why questions, or let me start with this, some of the most common what questions. First and most common question asked on Google in 2021, what to watch? Over 9 million times a month, people just go into Google and, and type in what to watch. One, another really uh, common question, an, a what question, what song is this? Also, what font is this? Also, what time is it? Like, you know on the screen that you're typing into, it says the time in the top corner, right? But that would just take too much energy to look up to that corner. I'll just type it in. What time is it? Probably I'll just ask it. Google, what time is it? Interestingly, what are the five love languages as a top 10 question that people are asking Google? Because when in doubt, you go to Google. How about why questions? Why questions? One of the most common why questions is, why are you always in a mood? I was surprised at, why is the sky blue? Ask to Google. It's a good thing to look into. Interestingly, and I don't know who these people are, but over 450,000 people every month type in the question, why were cornflakes invented? <laughs> and it just makes me wonder. There must be a story behind it that I don't know because I've never thought to myself, why are cornflakes invented? And you know what, Zoe, I did not ask for permission to say this, but it's on the list. The top, top 10 question asked to Google you can cut this, if you're watching online and you're done, I understand, is why is my poop green? <laughs> we got some people out here. Who questions? Who-based who questions? One of the most common-based who questions is who let the dogs out? Fourth most common question, number six, who's the richest person in the world? Number seven, who made, me, who made you a princess? Number 10, who died today? That's a sad one, kind of morbid there. How about when questions? Let me see. Uh, When Harry Met Sally is on the list. When You Love Someone, that's a great song. Where questions is, where is my tax refund? That's a good question. If Google knows, I want to know, where's that thing at? (laughs) I love this one. Where can I find happiness? Someone else, where are my kidneys located? <laughs> Amazing. How questions, how many ounces are in a cup? It's a good question. If you haven't typed that into Google, you're probably lying. How to screenshot on a map? That's a good question if you're trying to figure out how to screenshot on your map does questions does green tea have caffeine that's someone who's up late at night cuz they drank too much green tea and they're wondering why they're up late does tea have caffeine lots of caffeine based questions here this one the top question that starts with the word is like is this true or is that true is is europe a country <laughs> the second best question is is our school system working cuz if you don't know if europe's a country <laughs> We got I got I got to believe there's a lot of Americans asking that one. We know better. Also people wondering is Ariana Grande married? Never know. And this one I love this. So the top question that starts with the word can like is it possible to do this or that is can you feel the love tonight? Followed directly by can dogs eat bananas? Can dogs eat strawberries? Can dogs eat apples? Can dogs eat watermelon? Can dogs eat grapes? Can dogs eat tomatoes we 've got some vegetarian dog owners out there who are just trying to figure out how to how to go more plant based with their their pups it 's amazing questions all the time and it got me thinking what questions are we asking God like like this is what we would ask to Google and we would trust a, a artificial intelligent algorithm to spit out answers to us, and hopefully Google's know knows what dogs are and aren't allowed to eat. But what questions are we asking of God? Maybe a question like this, why? And that's the whole question. We're frustrated. Maybe why me? Or more commonly, why them? Because I'm okay if things are going bad for me as long as they're going bad for everyone. Or where are you now? when's this going to change? Or what are you up to? Or how are you actually going to turn all things together for good? Or what does this all mean? Or what's my purpose? And in the end, they all kind of revolve around this concept of God's will for our lives. Like, are you really at work in my life? Do you really have a plan for me? Are you really moving? Are you really purposing something? I I remember probably the most common question I asked as a a young man trying to grow in my faith was, God, what do you want me to do? If you just tell me, I'll do it. Like, no hesitation, I'll do anything. I just don't know what you want me to do. What's your will for my life? What's your purpose? What's your plan? And you know what? It felt like he didn't answer. Anyone else ever feel like God didn't answer that question in your life? Like, God, what do you want from me? And it just feels like the heavens are quiet. And so I found that, that the people tend to assume one of three things about the will of God. Have one of three different stances. Some assume that, that God's will is like a, a game of cosmic charades. And uh, we're trying to figure out the, the clues and the signs, but God's really, you know, he's kind of passive aggressive. He's not really letting us know. He's giving us the cold shoulder. And so we're just trying to figure it out. And there's people who live in constant fear and anxiety that they're missing God's will for their lives. It's like they look at the will of God like a tightrope, and they're on a tightrope, certain if they ever misstep, they're, they're going to fall to their doom, and not only them, but Their legacy will be destroyed, and all all people after that, and they're they're living in this constant balancing act, trying to figure out what's God's next move for my life, and completely uncertain, completely unsure. These people tend to live with a lot of anxiety. I, I feel like people like this, I love challenging them with hard questions like, what do you want to eat today? I think, oh, I don't know. I haven't prayed about it. Or what does God want me to do? And they live in constant fear as if God is just, like, he's he's withholding from them. Maybe in some ways you can relate to that today. You're a person who's just uncertain and unsure, and it feels almost like God's will is unknowable. There's another group of people, I, I call them the fake it till they make it crew. They always know what God's will is. They just keep trying stuff. They're doing stuff and they're completely certain at every juncture, they're doing it exactly right and no matter what happens, they knew it, called it. It's like, again, one of those things when, when you have lots of kids, when we, we have a kid and then we introduce them to people and it's a boy or a girl, people go, I knew it. are like, no, you didn't. It's a flip of a coin. Called it, you know, you had a 50-50 chance. And there's those people, it's like everything that happens was what they wanted to happen anyway. Like oh, good news! I got a job. God's on the move. God's plan for my life. Next week, you see them. How are you going? Oh, great! Quit my job. I'm like oh, the job that God gave you last week. Yeah, but but now He's delivered me from the wilderness, going into the promised land. Good news! Single again, like I always wanted to be. You liar. I remember once I was in Cambodia. And I was going to visit my friend in a small town in Cambodia. And uh, I, I said, well, how will I know when I get there how to find you? He said, honestly, everyone in the city knows me. I was like, man, that is a baller statement. That's so cool. He goes, no, no, it's just like I'm 6'5", and I'm living in Cambodia. I'm the only tall guy in the town. Like, like seriously, if you just say, take me to the tall white guy, you'll find me. I'm like, so you're, you're not going to give me an address? He goes, no, just trust me. Okay. So I got to to the Thailand-Cambodia border, I crossed the border, I got my passport, I got my bag, I'm walking around, and I'm like, I guess I'll just ask someone. Like, how cool would it be if it works? So I go up to this guy who drives uh, what they call a tuk-tuk, like these little motor, like kind of mopeds with a uh, a cage in the back, and you sit underneath, and I say, hey, I'm looking for someone, a friend of mine. He goes, okay, who? I said, well, he's he's tall, and he's white like me. I know your friend. It's like, wow, that's awesome music, come with me, come, get on, we're, we're going, and so we went down, and there was kind of one main street in this town, and, and we're going down the main street, and then we deviate off the main street into kind of a bumpy area, and, and, it, and we're going kind of further into what seems like the wilderness, I'm like, hey, are you sure we're going the right way? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know your friend. We pull over, and, and, and we stop at this place, and it's kind of like this little compound, and, And a a group of really kind-looking nuns come out. And he goes, see, your friend. I said, bro, they seem like nice ladies, but I'm looking for a tall, white guy. He goes, ah, I know. I know your friend. Get back on. I'm like, well, I'm kind of committed now. We're out in the middle of nowhere. He goes, yep, uh, yep. And we go deeper into the woods and through more potholes and over more, and, and, and now we're, really, truly lost. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is how I die. <laughs> we get to this other place, we get out, and, and he goes, see, your friend. And I came out and there was this wonderful African missionary family. I said, bro, we are breaking down communication here. My friend is taller than me. He's, he's, you, have, you don't know where he is. Just get me back to that main road. He goes, oh, okay, okay. We make it back to the main road, I'm frustrated, I'm feeling mad that my friend, you know, he told me everyone knew him and they didn't, and now I wasted all this money and wasted all this time, and I don't know where I am in Cambodia. We get back to the main road and I'm like, okay, bye, Here, you know, here's the money, and I walk and I turn around and there's my friend standing there. I'm like, Joel! And the, the guy on the tuk-tuk as he drives away, he said, see, I know your friend. And I thought, isn't that how a lot of Christians live? Just whatever happens, like I knew it, called it, God was on the, on the move there. It was God's plan all along. The fake it till they make it crew, never actually hearing from God, just keep on trying things and eventually you will stumble into God's will. There's another group of people that are, are, are like the, kind of like the couch potato Christians. You know, they, they hear a verse like this, "Wait, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They're like, awesome, I'm waiting. And I'm, I'm here, I got my proverbial remote control. When God is ready to talk, I'm sure he'll come find me. In the meantime, Cheetos will do. Right? I'm just, just gonna chill here in the will of God. But you know, in the Bible, it actually says that God wants to fill us with the knowledge of his will. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of of Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, this might be a little bit of a mind bender for some people here who are in that first group who thinks God's will is unknowable and it's terrifying. You don't want to mess up. It might be a little surprising for the group who is constantly living in fake confidence. You have no idea what God has for your life, but you're hoping to pull off the the biggest con job ever. It might be a bit of a surprise to those who are the spiritual couch potatoes saying, I've just been waiting for a while. God doesn't seem to want me to do much. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, it says this, for this This reason, what reason? Well, a reason that they were full of faith and love, which is pretty cool because I look out at a church like this and I've heard the stories of River's Edge. This is a church full of faith and full of love for people. You have faith in God and love for people. You have a confidence in God and a desire to see the people of your city change. And for this reason, faith and love, he goes, I have not stopped praying for you and I'm continually asking that God would fill you with a knowledge of his will. Can someone say Phil? Phil. I got one friend over here. I like that. Can someone say Phil? Come on. Phil. Online, can you say Phil? Type it in the chat. Come on. Phil. Phil, Phil to be full of the the knowledge of God's will for our lives. You know, this word fill, it comes from the Greek word plerao. And plerao has like some pictorial description to it. This word plerao, it means, the first way to describe it would be to be stuffed, crammed, packed, overflowing. It's like the picture, have you ever gone on a vacation and you don't want to pay for a checked bag? And so you find a way to fit everything you own into that carry-on? Right? You you, you call a friend that someone's sitting on top of the suitcase, you got a pair of pliers out to get that zipper out, and you just keep on finding a way. God wants you to be filled, crammed to the overflow with the knowledge of his will, to be completely full. That has not been my experience as often as I'd like to say. More often than not, I feel empty when it comes to the, the, the knowledge of God's will for my life. Not only is it the word cram, it's also this word uh, satisfied, to be completely satisfied. I I look out of the room and I would assume that uh, that we come from a, a variety of different cultural backgrounds. But one thing I know is true of every ethnicity on the planet. No matter what nationality you're from, no matter what nation you grew up in or your grandparents grew up in, your grandma pushes food on you, doesn't she? Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you came from. Grandmas always think you, you look like you need a little extra. You know, you go to grandma's house and you got seconds and then you have your thirds and then she goes, hey, you just, you haven't eaten enough. That feeling when you say, no, no, I'm really done. Like I'm really done. You push away from the table and you think, I couldn't even imagine what I'd like to eat now even if I had the option. I'm completely satisfied. I love that feeling. I live for that feeling. It's a good feeling I chase often. That feeling, God wants you to be completely satisfied with the knowledge of His will where you go, you know what? I'm good. I don't need any more detail. Don't need any more description. Wow, I got enough. The third description of this word filled is to be furnished. I love that. Have you ever moved into a new place and it's just an empty shell and it's not quite as big as it looked on the pictures? And you think, man, is this the same house that we looked at and we just said yes to? How are we going to fit our stuff in here? But then you start to put your things in that place, and all of a sudden, a house becomes a home. And you look around and you go, I could live here. When it comes to an understanding of God's will, he wants you to be able to go like, oh, wow, this suits me. I could live here. He wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And yet we ask Prayers, I certainly have. God, what do you want me to do with my life? And sometimes it seems like the heavens are quiet. You know what's pretty cool for me today, Zoe, is I told you this story, but 16 years ago, in August of 2005, uh, I I had a a youth ministry, and we brought a a group of, of teenagers from Vancouver to the city of Montreal to serve here in the city. And we served in some soup kitchens, and we did some evangelism, and we did some of the dramas that probably aren't effective but really pushed people's buttons, and we did all this stuff. And we actually slept in this building. Didn't know Zoe at the time. We never met at the time, but friends of friends of friends, they go, oh, I know a guy who's got a new building in the city. I'm sure you could stay there. So right, like, up there behind that window, we slept on sleeping bags, a group of of teenagers. And late at night when they were all sleeping— I made my way down and I sat right about here where Charles is sitting. There was no chairs out, but I just kind of sat on the floor and I had a moment of prayer. And in that moment of prayer, like I had prayed many other times, I was like, God, what do you want for, for my life? I just want to do it. I, I got like some glimpses. I got some pictures, but I want more clarity. I want to be filled with a knowledge of your will. And you know, God spoke some things to my heart right there. And I've seen some of them happen. Haven't seen others of them happen, but I'm still young. God wants to fill us with the knowledge of his will. Not only does he want to fill us with the knowledge of his will, but the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it it says this, For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God's plan for your life, his will for your life, is actually good. It's pleasing. In Romans 12, it says it's good, pleasing, and perfect. God wants to fill us with a knowledge of the type of thing that makes him smile. That that gets me excited in my spirit. That God's plan for my life makes him smile. Maybe it's only me. How cool is that? God has a plan for your life that when he stops to think about, he's like, oh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be they're, they're gonna be so satisfied. Sometimes I think we don't want to know what God's will is because we're we're certain it's going to be bad. We're sure he's going to wreck our life. God will do anything, but you're probably going to try to make it bad. But he's actually got a plan for our life that is good pleasure. Look what it says in Hebrews. I love this. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says this. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip us with every good work for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. See, this is awesome, because it says this, that God not only fills us with his will, but he equips us with what we need to accomplish it. How exhausting would it be if God... Called us to things that were impossible for us to do. How hopeless would that be if God was, was speaking co- uh, content to us, but not giving us the required supply to make it happen? But it says God actually works in us towards His good pleasure, and He gives us the things we need to accomplish His will. Now, at times in my life, and if I'm being honest, it, too frequently. I've had times where I assume of God his will for my life just based on the circumstances around me. Have you ever done that? I just sort of assume God is either for me or against me based on what I'm feeling in that particular day. And I'm asking a question like, God, Where do you want me to go with my life? And what do you want me to do? And certain that his will is his destination for me. But I have come to learn that the most important thing is not the destination. The most important thing is actually owning where I'm at right now. You know, God's will for your life is not just a longitude and latitude in another time and place in your future. God's will for your life is actually alive and active right now. Can you turn to the person beside you and say, neighbor, Come on, do it with me. Say, neighbor, I'm not going to lie to you. God has a purpose for your life. Can you turn to the person on the other side and say, neighbor, I'm not going to lie to you. You were not my first choice. (laughs) But God has a plan for your life, too. I really believe this. God wants to move us towards his destiny. But his destiny is not necessarily a destination. His destiny is on the way. His destiny is in the journey. His destiny is in the moments by moments, in up seasons and down seasons, in pandemics and emerging out of pandemics. He's still at work and he still has a purpose for our lives. You ever go to, go to a mall? Psh, not anymore. <laughs> right? You go to a mall, and man, I just got to get in and get out. I'm talking only to the men. Women, you've never experienced this in your life. The thought of just getting in and getting out, you're like, why would I want to do that? This is the happiest place on earth. And, and, and so you find that map, right? Maybe, it, maybe it's an old one that's printed out. Maybe it's one of the, the computerized ones that has a touch screen. And you say, okay, I want to I go to this store or that, so i got to find a pair of sneakers. i got to find some electronics. You can tell I'm a guy again, okay, the two things that I'd ever go to a mall for, right? And, and, and so you find the store you're looking for, and, okay, it's, it's located at D22. Awesome. How does that help me? It actually doesn't help me at all until I find that little red circle that says you are here. The most relevant, important part of any map is that point, the you are here point. It, it, it's the most, it, it's that, like that undulating circle on your cell phone map that, that reminds you where you're at. That is the most important question that we can ask. The most important piece of information we can find is where am I? Like where am I at right now? God's will for my life can't only be then and there and when and where. It has to be here and now. You are here. I've found in life I'm not often exactly where I'd like to be. I'd like to to be richer. I'd like to be more successful. I'd like to be more comfortable. I'd like to be more relaxed. Anyone else, you, you following along with me? And yet, you're here something powerful about owning that. I remember years ago, as Zoe said, I lived in Los Angeles. For a couple of years, we lived and served in a church there before returning to Canada and planting Vivid Church. And I was living uh, in, in a, a community called Encino, just up in the valley. And this one particular day, I, I had a trip I was going on, and, and so I knew it was later on in the day. And as my day was going, I was kind of thinking, oh, I got, I got plenty of time. Now I'm kind of a last-minute traveler. And so I I felt really comfortable. Usually people are like, what, you're going somewhere later today? What are you doing at work? I'm like, well, you know, what else would I be doing? And then I got a phone call uh, from the person who had booked our tickets, and he said, hey, I made a mistake. Uh, Bad news. Uh, The the, the flight takes off in one hour. And I said, yeah, that is pretty bad news, man, because I live an hour away from the airport. (laughs) And... uh, and so he goes, yeah. And so I'm on the phone with the, the airline. They said, unless, you, unless you're here, we can't really do anything for you. And so I'm, I, like, I called an Uber. I packed some stuff in a bag. I kissed my wife and all the kids. And then I was really out of time. And uh, you know, I'm, like, I'm, out, I'm out the door. Uber pulls up. I jump in the back. And, and he goes, where are we going? I said, going to the airport. And he goes, great. When's your flight? I said, ah, it's in f- 59 minutes. And he said, sorry, what? So said, yeah, it's in f- 59 minutes. And he looked back at me through the rearview mirror, and, and, and with his eyes, he was swearing at me for sure. <laughs> he's going, dude, why are you wasting my time? It's a Monday. It's a Monday afternoon. We're never going to make it to the airport in 59 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I know, but can we try? And, uh, and so we started moving, and he's kind of, you know, grumbling in the front. And, and so in the back, I, I, I did what just makes sense. I, I prayed. I made a deal with God. God, if you just get me to this airport, I'll do anything. You ever prayed a prayer like that? All of a sudden it's the most important thing. I don't know, I don't know if it's only me. Does your prayer life kinda ebb and flow based on what you're doing? (laughs) When the habs are playing, man, you really need to pray. Maybe that's the problem. Is you guys haven't been praying enough. So I'm in the back of the car, I'm like, God, I, I don't know if I'm even really allowed to pray, something like this. It's, I mean, it's probably just like an administrative error, but it'd be amazing if you could get me there. Like the, the backup ticket's going to be expensive, it's going to be inconvenient on the, oh, could you just, and you know what started to happen? We are driving down the 405 highway, and the 405 highway, you know in the Bible when it talks about, about uh, like on earth as it is in heaven, the 405 highway is on earth as it is in hell. I like I feel like people gnash their teeth on the 405 highway. It's terrible. The 405 highway is just a long parking lot, it's bumper to bumper all the time. But on this particular day, as we were driving, it was wild. People in front of us just started throwing on their signal lights and moving. I'm not lying to you. We're moving and it, it, it felt like the Red Sea was parting. And as we were going, my faith was growing. And as we were moving, like cars just kept moving. And the, the Uber driver just kept looking back. He's like, dude, this is not normal. <laughs> this is kind of weird. And in the back, oh, man, my, my faith is just on 10. Woo! God is for me, not against me. You know, I am the head and not the tail. I'm getting all excited about God's purpose in my life, God's plan for my life. And the, the, the traffic just kept opening up. We made it to the airport in 24 minutes. It's the time that you would make it at night when the road is empty. Like, it made no logical sense. The Uber driver's hand was kind of shaking. He's like, bro, this is really weird. And we got to the airport, and I got out, and I felt like probably there should be some trumpets playing as I walked in the airport, <laughs> you know? I felt like I was in, like, a Macklemore music video, like everyone should just join me in how awesome this is that this just happened. And I walk into the airport, oh, and there was a long line up. And I said Eloi Eloi Lama Sabachthani my God my God why have you forsaken me <laughs> you know I was thinking you, you open up the highway and here I am I'm stuck in the back of the line I'm, I'm gonna miss my flight I'm going and I immediately it was amazing how quickly I went from joy to sorrow how pathetic God just opened up a road for me I, I literally lived a miracle Like, sure, he caused the lame to walk and the blind to see, but he opened up the 405 highway. He really is Lord of all. But then I was stuck at the back of a line, and immediately I went down in my perspective and thought, oh, man, like, you you laugh, but have you done that over something as petty, over something as foolish? We put our, our hopes on the next announcement from the government on the new lifting of restrictions and then they go the other way. Oh, God, why? Why us? And I'm at the back of the line. I go, man, he brought me here out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. (laughs) I hate lines, guys. Not a patient guy. I'm sitting in the back. like I'm going to miss this. I'm thinking, God, if you had done this, though, that story would have been really good. I would have preached that. And you know what's crazy? Someone came up. I'm not lying to you. Someone came up from the front of the line. They said, sir, when's your flight? I said, it's in like 34 minutes. They said, oh, come this way. And the last shall be first. They walked me past all the people who were sitting there, waiting in line. And they said, we'll just put you through the express line. I said, the express line? What is this? They said, oh yeah, you know the line? Well, you don't need to take your shoes off. Your belt will be fine. Ah, oh, your bag looks good to me. Just come on through. It was amazing. I felt so favored and so much more dangerous at the same time. I thought, this has always existed. People knew about this. And I'm telling you, they walked me through, got opened a highway, he opened a lineup. And I got to my gate, and I, I thought, you know what? I'm having a good day. I'm going to ask for an upgrade. <laughs> Why not? Why not? And so I walked right up. I said, hey, hello, what's your name? Cheryl. Cheryl, great to meet you. Hey, Cheryl, I'm just wondering, is there, like, I noticed my seat is the middle of the middle of the back of the plane. Is there anything on the plane that would be a little better than this? And interestingly, she looked at me much like the Uber driver, and she swore at me with her eyes. (laughs) And she said, sir, you don't even deserve to get on this plane. I want, you just got through security. You you should be happy with what you got. You can wait till then. I said, okay, Cheryl, back off. It's okay. And I kind of walked around. I'm not lying. In my head, I was like, oh, God, come on, man. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. That would have been pretty cool. Well, guess what? Getting on the plane, the last person in the lineup. And as I walked through, Cheryl's countenance changed. She said, hey, sir, you asked for an upgrade, right? I said, yeah, but hey, I understand. She goes, one has opened up. Would you like seat 17D? I said, I don't know, would I? She said, you would. I said, is it better than the middle of the middle of the back? She goes, oh, oh it's better. And so I walk on the plane, and I get into, to, into, into the airplane, and I got seat 17D. It's the section of the plane. There's only two seats in it. The section of the plane where the flight attendants sleep on long-haul flights. The seat folds fully back. And I thought, God is alive. (laughs) And he loves me. (laughs) And I'm chosen. And I, I was so excited thought this is wild I'm living like a, a three-peat miracle this is amazing and I, I'm getting on the plane and I, I'm, oh, I'm reclining the seat and there's one lady sitting beside me and I, I recline and I look over I'm like <laughs> what <laughs> oh. and I said how, <laughs> how are you doing today and she said I'm having the worst day of my life And I was like, oh, not me. <laughs> and I thought, man, I was hoping to kind of sleep on this flight. But I said, well, why, why are you having such a, a, bad, a bad day? She said, well, early this morning, I found out that my husband has been uh, having a, a long-term affair. I've got a six-month-old and a two-year-old. I feel like my life is coming to an end. We had it out, and uh, I... An hour before this flight took off, called the airline and said, I need a ticket on this plane and I got to get to see my mom and my whole life is over. And then, and then for the next three hours, she shared with me the graphic, heartbreaking, tear-filled details of how her life is shattered. And every few minutes, she, you know, she'd flipping through her iPad and look at this. And I found, she found pictures of her husband with this, this individual. It's heartbreaking. And I just, uh, I laid, I was going to say I was sitting there listening, I was laying there and listening in my reclining seat. And about three hours in, she said, so what do you do for a living? And I thought, it's probably good that I wasn't rude and didn't put on my noise-canceling headphones, and I said, well, I'm, a, I'm actually, a, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. And she said, wait a minute, you're a pastor? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pastor. She goes, you're from Canada, right? Say, well, yeah. And you have lots of kids, right? I was like, yeah. She started to weep, eyes filled with tears. weep. Like, we're not talking the pretty cry; it's the ugly cry. It's the snotty one. Okay. <laughs> She's weeping. She's crying. She said, "Last night, I was searching for answers." And I, I, I stumbled across a podcast and it was you. And I said, well, I mean, the church, at, I've only been there for a bit. I, it's, no, she goes, no. And she quoted back to me what I had preached the last week. She goes, this morning, one hour before this flight, as I was making my way to my plane, I prayed a prayer. I said, God, if you're real, you better show me because I'm done, I'm just done. And here we are sitting together. Now I was ugly crying. And you're right there. She goes, what do I need to do? Like, what's my next move? What, what should I do? And right then and there, my friend Crystal Huang gave her heart to Jesus on that plane, 30,000 feet above. And we're praying. And she goes, I need to record this prayer. She's got her phone out. And we're laying out, and I'm, she's like, "Just," uh. she's got her hands raised to heaven, and we're both laying down. And the flight attendant comes by. He's like, would you like anything? I'm like, we're in the middle of a moment here. But yeah, if cranberry juice and some club soda. Thank you. She gave her heart to the Lord. And in that moment, God nudged me a little bit. He spoke to me, and he reminded me of moments like I had right here when I prayed, God, what's your will for my life? And he said, Justin, all day long, you've been playing a game of he loves me, he loves me not. All day long, you've been kind of questioning how close I am, how much I'm with you based on things like traffic and lineups. Of course, I love you. Of course, I'm with you. But your journey is not only about you. Because today had nothing to do with my will to you, but my will through you. I love you, son, but I love Crystal. It's amazing. When I prayed right here, God, what do you want from me? He didn't say, one day you'll live in L.A. and you're going to be late for a flight, but don't worry. I'll open the road, and when I open the road, you'll get to a line. You're going to show how bad your attitude is, but I'll, I'll change it. I got patience with you. I can talk through a donkey. I can talk through you, and then, and then I'll get you on a plane. You'll be by lady. Be nice. Be nice. It's just one day, one step, one decision at a time. Just moment by moment. <laughs> saying today. I will obey today. I have learned this. If God were to fill me with the knowledge of his will from now until forever, I would just explode. Be too much for me to bear. But he can give us just enough for today. In the next three minutes, I'm going to give you three things you can do. All right. Literally three minutes. You can start a timer. If you're watching online, three minutes. First Thessalonians chapter five. Turn there with me. This is a cheat code. Okay. A little cheat code for you. There's very few times in the Bible where it's this clear. Very few times in the Bible where, where the writer pulls out a highlighter and goes, did you get that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, rejoice always. Can someone say rejoice always? Rejoice always. Friends, you just memorized the scripture. That's the whole thing. He <laughs> did it. You're hiding God's word in your heart. Rejoice always. Next verse, if you like these short verses, I'm going to tell you, you're about to learn the second verse for the day. Pray continually. And then, number three, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amazing to me that rejoicing in praying and giving thanks have nothing to do with my destination. They have everything to do with where I'm at right now. Always is here now, continually is here now. All circumstances is here now. To rejoice is to return to joy. Friends, when you find yourself constantly or infrequently being pulled away from joy, it's time to rejoice. Return to a place of joy. It'll help if you begin to remember. Today, when I leave here, I'm going to text my friend, Crystal, who I stay in touch with, who's still serving Jesus, whose daughters are serving Jesus, who's serving in a church in Texas, who's started a successful business and who's standing on her own two feet. And when I remember this story, I rejoice. Not every day goes like that day, but I've lived a few days. And so I will rejoice always. Well, but what about when? Always. Rejoice. Always. Always. Pray continually. Well, I can't get down on my knees, and I, I can't, now you don't know, fold my hands constantly. No, those are the forms of prayer, but not the functions of prayer. The function of prayer is communication. Be in a long-term conversation with Jesus. Pray continually. Be in conversation. You know, it's fun, my, my, my kids and I, as they get older, we've got ongoing long text conversations. It's great. And you just pick them up where we left off. Pray continually. Talk to your Father in heaven constantly. Include Him in everything. It's His will for your life. Yeah, but where do you want me to go? Like, Who will I marry and where will I live and what will my career be? That wasn't God's will for you anyway. His will is that you walk with Him, that you talk with Him, that you learn from Him, that you become more like Him, that as you look to Him with an unveiled face, you reflect Him with ever-increasing glory. So we rejoice always. We pray continually and we give thanks in all circumstances. How do you give thanks for some of these things? No, 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 it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. That in the midst of the worst, you remember that this is not your destiny. This is not the end for you. God has a purpose for your life that is good. And so when it looks bleak, you go, well, God's doing something. Because certainly he's got something better in store for me than this. And I'll prove it to you. You've walked through pain before, haven't you? Pain that felt impossible you before, haven't you? And you're here now. God got you through. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for my friends here today. I pray that you'd help us, encourage us, lift our spirits, that certainly you have a will for our life that is good and pleasing and perfect. Whether we're in the room or we're watching online right now, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts, lift our spirits. Lift our countenance. I pray for those who, who might be terrified that they're about to miss your will. I pray peace and confidence over their life. I ask for those who might be faking it till they make it. I pray just for a new calmness that nobody's looking to you to be perfect. For those who are just sitting back and misunderstanding what it means to wait on the Lord, living in a spiritual laziness, I pray new energy for them a new anticipation and hope. And I ask for each of us, God, that we could rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.